Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. What a privilege it is today to be with you in your homes. And my question to you is, do you feel like you have buried your pain under the rubble, the ruins and the rubble of a broken dream? Are you under anxiety and stress and to the point that sometimes you feel that you're almost to a breaking point? Some of us have been through experiences that are shameful. Some of us have been through experiences that are so painful. And today I want to speak to you about the healing hand of Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral. Recently, we attended a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit in the land of Israel during the Feast of Tabernacles. I led a tremendous tour there and one of the places that we filmed our documentary, Jesus the Rabbi, was at the Pool of Bethesda. The Pool of Bethesda, the Bible says in John chapter 5, was a pool having five porches. I want to speak to you about those porches that I feel are dimensions of deliverance deep within the soul that God wants to give so many of us as we look to Jesus. First of all, I want you to know that in the natural, the pool of Bethesda was a place where those who were crippled, those who were blind, those who had certain physical defects were not allowed into the temple. You may say, why weren't they allowed into the temple? These were certain rabbinic laws that were mandated in the first century, laws that prohibited anyone that was maimed, blind, or unable to walk from going into the temple precinct. So therefore, like outcasts, they gathered together at the pool, believing that the waters would move and they would be the first ones brought into the water and healed. But as you know, beloved saint, that is not exactly what happened. But Jesus knew their pain. Jesus knew the pain of not only the rejection of not being able to go into the temple, to be made a public display of shame that you had a defect and you were not welcome in the temple because of an outward defect. Jesus walked among the ruins. He walked in the pool of Bethesda looking for an individual that he could extend the life to. Now I want you to know something. He did this specifically on the Sabbath day. And this is what is so remarkable. Because why? The Hebrew law is... And I want you to know the rabbinically mandated Hebrew law to this day is that if a life is in danger, these are called the laws of pekuach nefesh, that if a life is in danger, you break the Shabbat in order to save the life. You see, 
through the eyes of Jesus. A person is dead, not just biologically. But when a person loses life, you can be in your body living, going through the motions of life and still experience a life without the life of receiving your destiny or your purpose or just be stuck under the ruins and the rubble of the pain of the past. Jesus entered in at the Sabbath, walking along the pool of Bethesda, and there he saw the man that he was sent for, one who had been in bondage for 38 years. You know, the Bible goes out of its way, and the Bible says in verse 5, and a certain man which had a spirit of infirmity, who had had this infirmity 38 years, was the one Jesus wanted. So the question arises, what is the spiritual significance of 38 years? Why does John tell us how long this man was afflicted? This is because in the book of Deuteronomy, the second chapter in the 14th verse, we see the children of Israel going around the same mountain for guess how long? 38 years. They're stuck in the middle of the wilderness. They cannot break out of the cycle. They're going around the same mountain for 38 years. This man was bound for 38 years. When Jesus looked at him, he asked him a question. Would you be made whole? He asked this question because his particular deliverance demanded a decision. And that was that he was so determined for destiny that he would participate with the Holy Spirit in rising up and taking up his bed and walking. You see, Jesus wanted him to participate in the miracle because deliverance is also a decision. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 52, loose this yourself from the bands of your neck. Loose yourself, O captive daughter of Zion. And that is exactly what Jesus was doing at the pool of Bethesda when he saw this man bound for 38 years. This man who felt isolated. This man who was separated. This man who said to Jesus, Sir, I have no man to lift me into the pool. You see, this dependency on others for everything, even for going into the pool, was something also he needed deliverance of. And Jesus spoke to him on the Sabbath. You see why on the Sabbath? No, he was not a renegade rabbi. And no, he did not break the Shabbat. He was fulfilling it because the rabbinic law at the time and still is today, that if one's life is in danger, you must save the life and, and break the Shabbat. That means that even if your little puppy in the land of Israel is sick and it's Shabbat, you cannot let that little pup puppy whimper all night. The, the commandment is you break the Shabbat, you give the little puppy life, you bring it to the doctor. Do you allow a woman who's in labor ready to give labor to the child and because it's the Shabbat, you absolutely cannot deliver the child? God forbid. The Bible tells us you will live by my commandments, not die by them. And this is actually the law on the Shabbat. 
to Jesus, life was not just biological, a matter of living or dying biologically. To Jesus, life meant someone who's bound, who cannot move, who is stuck in the cycle of pain, is as if they are dead. There is no life. And so he came to give life abundant to this man at the pool of Bethesda. I believe today this anointing from the pool of Bethesda is present that we received in the land of Israel. I want to release to you right now that anointing to rise, pick up your bed and walk. There are some of us under emotional affliction. There are others of us who have been bound in depression for years. Some of us who have been bound in depression for months. There are some of us who say, God, I'm so tired. I don't want to go on anymore. And you're stuck. You have not received the courage. You've been so beaten down, so discouraged that you don't want to rise up and walk. But God is saying to you today, pick up your bed and walk. Go forward toward your destiny destiny. You have a bright future. God's hand is upon you to heal you today. And now, beloved saints, receive that anointing to go forward into all God has for you. And we will now go live to the service in Anaheim, and we will be back to pray for you as the anointing continues from the pool of Bethesda in Israel. God bless you. that the body of Christ is the place by which the supernatural gifts of the Spirit are manifested. The church was created to house the anointing of fellowship in the Holy Spirit so that the gifts one for another could operate. But the problem is we have depended on individuals who come in, who operate in gifts, and they're actually operating in signs and wonders because they're sent to a place or sent to a people. And the church itself is completely dependent on signs and wonders that come from an individual who's been sent. But there actually is no operation in the body of the gifts of the Spirit the way God has ordained the church to operate. Are you with me, saints? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Let's go back to the book of Acts so we can see this. And let us look at Acts chapter. Going back, beloved saints, to the book of Acts. Looking at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to verse 20. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say amen. Acts chapter 2. Looking, beloved saints, at verse, excuse me, not 20. We were at verse 43. Fear came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all they that believed were come together. And had all things in common. This word common is the word koinonia. And they sold their possessions and their goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their bread and did eat their bread with gladness and singleness of heart. So here we see, beloved saints, that the scripture is telling us 
that the overall context of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, is the outpouring on Pentecost. But then we see the whole entire passage in a contextual sense of Scripture, that the context is conveying oneness, that the day of Pentecost begins with. They were in the day of Pentecost when it had fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. And we see that same oneness demonstrated that uh, through this concept and through this koinonia. Let us look just for a moment at this word, one accord. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. It doesn't just mean only one place, but this word in, in Greek is the word sumphero. And sumphero means to bring together, so we cannot be connected to the body if we are not brought together. That is one of the ways the Holy Spirit pours out koinonia in the church. But secondly, this word sumphero means to bear together. Say it with me, to bear together. So that means we are bearing together one another's burdens. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we come under the mantle. We come under the anointing. We come under that koinonia anointing when we bear together. Say it with me. I want to bear together the burden of my brother and my sister. I want to bear together what they're going through. Because you see, when we bear together and come out of ourselves, come out of our own problems, come out of our own stuff, but begin to start looking on the things of others, the outpouring of the Spirit takes place. Are you with me, saints? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Paul teaches us how to access koinonia. He teaches us how to do it. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see, say this with me, I want to access the attribute of koinonia to bear together. Say with me, to bear together. See, if I'm just into the world of me, myself, and I, I cut myself off by my own choice. God doesn't cut us off. We cut ourselves off. We cut ourselves off from the grace. We cut ourselves off from the power that operates in the body. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives gifts to every man. The Bible says he giveth severally as he will. He gives to every man. Say it with me, to everyone. Severally as he will. How many of you want several gifts of the Spirit to operate through you? Word of knowledge. Hallelujah. Word of wisdom. Prophecy. Speaking in tongues and interpreting your own tongues. Interpreting tongues in the body so that we might be able to edify one another. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? All right. So this is how the yoke breaks. Say this with me. I want the yoke to break. So if you want the yoke to break in your own life, start bearing the burden. Come together. Hallelujah. Bear together with. And once you come under that anointing of bearing together with, your own yoke will break. Hello, somebody. Somebody ought to hear this today. 
Say this with me. I'm, I'm receiving the anointing by the Spirit of God. Let's look at the attributes of Koinonia right now. The Bible says, hallelujah, in the book of Philippians, the second chapter, Paul speaks to us about this burden, bearing this burden. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, <clears throat> If there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any koinonia of the Spirit, if there be any bowels and mercies, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded. That means that everybody is baptized into the same vision. That doesn't mean that you don't have your own individual vision. You do. you got to have a dream for yourself. you got to have what God's called you to do. But in the body of Christ, there's a protocol. And the protocol the New Testament gives us is one of koinonia. Is one of bearing together each other's burdens. Is one of looking on the needs of others more than even the needs of ourselves. This is how the Spirit of God flows and how the Spirit of God operates. So that means that selfishness, self-centeredness, thinking of ourselves could actually block the work of the Spirit of God in our own lives. And I don't know about you, but I want to cooperate with the grace of God. I want to not receive the grace of God in vain. I want that grace operating in my life that comes from the body. Somebody ought to say amen. This is why the Bible says, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love. Watch this. Being of sum Pharaoh, being of one accord of one mind. Now here's how we're going to cut off the fellowship. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. That's why in Breath of the Spirit, we are very, very adamant about no strife. No strife. Because strife, not only in our personal life, strife will quench the anointing in our own life, but strife will quench the anointing in the body. It'll divide it. And we can't allow it. And so one of the ways that genders strife in the church and that we can become easily tempted with strife, and that is let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. What's vainglory? Vainglory is when we say, well, I'm not being seen enough. Vainglory is I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. Nobody got to hear me. Nobody got to see what I do. And you see, when we present ourselves, we stop the Holy Spirit. You say, Dr. Corral, what do you mean? You know who taught us this? You know where this incredible teaching came from, not only from the gospel according to John, the third chapter and the 30th verse, when the Bible says John the Baptist said, I must decrease, but he must increase. But we also see that a very simple, we don't even know her name, very simple, simple woman, very simple, from Wales, back 
in the 1900s. He's part of the Welsh Revival. One night, they waited and waited for the Spirit of God to fall. And He didn't fall. And somebody started crying and wailing, and they had a word from the Lord and said, it's because they wanted to show themselves. So the Holy Spirit didn't show up. Whenever you want to show yourself, the Holy Ghost can't honor it. Because he's only going to honor Jesus. The Bible says he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever things that he hears, that shall he speak. So we've already got in our mind that we can't wait for people to hear our mighty sermon. We can't wait for people to see how great we sing. We can't wait for people to see how anointed we are. Then we ought to just for a moment put ourselves aside and say, I just want to be pleasing to the Holy Spirit. And do only what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. The Welsh, Welsh Revival teaches us a lot. Simple persons all the way from Wales. That precious girl getting up and saying, the Holy Spirit told me we're showing ourselves. And that's why he can't move tonight. And they spent hours repenting for showing themselves for saying what they wanted to say, for saying that other people would recognize them. You see, in any revival, the Holy Spirit is never, man is never seen. This is why in Azusa, God had to choose William Joseph Seymour. But there was no names that were put on the headlines of Azusa. So that only the Holy Spirit would have his way. So that only the Holy Spirit, those individuals were yielded to the Holy Spirit. We have become so focused on man. We've become so focused on man giving us the anointing that we've left Jesus out altogether. I don't know if I can get a witness anywhere in here. And this is why, beloved saints, we see if there be any fellowship of love, that word is koinonia. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Right now we're in a selfie contest to see who, met, who gets the best selfie like on their selfie picture. That is a little bit contrary to what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches, let not every man think on his own things, but also on the things of others. And the Bible says, let every man esteem others better than themselves. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? So we're living in a culture. There are good things in the culture. And there are some very horrible things in the culture that can break the anointing. And when the church begins to take on the identity of a culture, we are in trouble. Unless it's just to be upgraded with a vision and more excellent in our vision, There's, that is what is needed. But when we begin to allow the world to dictate our values, we begin to be controlled by the world and not by the word of God. Are you with me? The Bible says, 
Let not every man look on his own things, but also on the things of others, and let each esteem others better than themselves. How hard would it be for you to turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, I thank you for sitting next to me. I'm so blessed to be honored with someone that I am so humbled to be in your presence. Can you say that to your neighbor? Neighbor, I'm so humbled to be in your presence. I'm so humbled to see that I'm sitting near such an awesome Christian. I'm so humbled to know that I'm sitting near someone who's gone through trials and tribulations and has overcome. I'm so honored to be near someone that loves Jesus more than anything in this world. I'm so honored to be near somebody who's laid their life down for the gospel. I'm so honored that you went through with your husband or your family or your children and you've come through. I'm so honored that I'm sitting near a believer that never gave up serving God. Hello, are we, are we together in this? Hallelujah. And so we see that the Bible says to let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That means we are to condense to such a humble mind that the greatest desire of our life is to become obedient, even obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That means... Every time we obey God and do his will instead of ours, the flesh dies. Every time I say yes to Jesus and do something that's a little bit difficult that my flesh doesn't want to do, hallelujah, I receive the grace to do it. I'm not doing it in my own works. I'm not doing it in my own righteousness, but it's born out of koinonia in my heart, out of the love for my neighbor. Are you with me, saints? Hallelujah. Now I'm going to ask that. Thank you so much for joining us today. What an honor it is to have you with us. We love you so much, and we're so glad that you were part of this incredible program of healing, deliverance, and breakthrough. It is our prayer today that just as Jesus walked in the pool of Bethesda, looking for a broken person, someone who felt isolated and separated from the presence of God by those rabbinic laws of the first century that no one could enter the temple precinct with any form of defect or any blindness or any lame or any person that was in any way physically handicapped. We see this not only at the Pool of Bethesda, but the man at the gate beautiful as well. Some of us have emotional defects. Some of us feel like we cannot enter into the presence of God. Some of us feel that we've sinned and that God will never forgive us. There are others of us that are burdened down with weights that torment us, to, uh, memories of our past that we've buried under the ruins and under the rubble, so similar to the Pool of Bethesda. But I want you to know that we serve a God who is the rebuilder of our ruins. He can make everything new again. And he wants you to know that he can take the pain of your past and connect it to a prophecy and promise for the future. Today, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for every person who's stuck 
under the burden and the rubble and the ruin of the pain of their past. Lord Jesus, today we come into agreement that you are the rebuilder of our ruins. You're going to rebuild their dream again. You said in your word, they that sow in tears are going to reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Lord, we thank you for the price tag that you put on our pain. You evaluate and you, you look at the pain. You validate and you evaluate our pain for the glory of God. And we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. God is telling me today that there is someone that has been so bound in depression that you have not been able to even go to work. You don't want to face work. You are so discouraged. And God is breaking that off you. The anointing is breaking the yoke today. The Lord is telling me that there are several ministers that are viewing this telecast, that God is saying, get back into ministry. Don't throw in the towel. Do not be discouraged by what man says. Your destiny is not defined by man's opinion. You must go forward by what God says about you, what the culture says about you, who man says you are is not who God says you are. This is why it is so important to know the priority of ministry is to know our purpose. And God wants you to be clear about your purpose. The same way that those Pharisees sent doctors and lawyers to John the Baptist and said to him, who do you say of yourself? Who are you? God wants you to know who you are from a biblical standpoint and from a spiritual standpoint, what you've been put on this earth to do. And I claim it for you right now. I claim the anointing. I claim a new fresh revelation of your ministry, of your destiny, of your purpose, of who God called you to be. You are going forth into new territory for the glory of God. And if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you say this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Cleanse me from sin. Lord Jesus, I love you. I lift you up. I praise you. I ask you this very moment to come into my heart. Make me clean. Make me a new creation. I renounce sin. I don't want to live in sin anymore. I receive your power over sin. I receive your precious blood to cleanse me from sin. And I believe by saying this prayer, I have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you have said that prayer, please call the number on your screen. And those of you who have never visited us on Facebook, or those of you who need to visit our website, want to visit our website, you can visit our website at breathofthespirit.org. That's breathofthespirit.org. Or visit us on our podcast, uh, actually heard all across the United States on the Charisma Podcast Network. And you can go to mydayofdestiny.com. We love you. And here's our announcer to tell you how you can be a part of helping the poor all over the world. We'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on our telecast today. We want you to know that your love is greatly appreciated. We'd like to invite you to take this opportunity to donate to our Hesed Global Missions. Let the love of Jesus shine on you today. You can help our feeding programs in Masaka, Uganda, 
and Kampala, Uganda, help educate children in India. We are raising up Christians who have been violated of their human rights in Pakistan through the Dr. Michelle Corral Sewing School. There are so many initiatives that need your seed. Become a part of Hesed Worldwide Global Initiatives today. Text Hesed to 77977 or visit our website, breathofthespirit.org, and click Donate to donate via PayPal. Thank you on behalf of the thousands that are helped every day by this ministry. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.